11, 12, and 13 for the last time. <laughs> o thou afflicted, tossed with tempest, and not comforted, behold, I will lay thy stones with fair colors and lay thy foundations with sapphires, and I will make thy windows of agates and thy gates of carbuncles and all thy borders of pleasant stones. And all thy children shall be taught of the Lord, and great shall be the peace of thy children. May the Lord add the blessings to the reading of his word, and everyone said, Amen. Or some of you said, Amen. <laughs> Praise the Lord. So we're, this morning we're going to conclude with this study that on the 12 stones in the uh, breastplate of the high priest that was worn on his chest. And the last tribe that we will be looking at here is the tribe of Naphtali. Naphtali. This is, uh, since it is the last stone, this is going to be one of the most important stones or tribes that we can glean from. And the reason I say that is there is a principle in the Bible that states, there are last which shall be first, and there are first which shall be last. And so uh, we're going to dig right in here this morning and see what you and I can glean from that principle through the tribe of Naphtali. The first thing that we can look at here this morning is his birth in Genesis chapter 30, verses 8 and 9. And Rachel said, With great wrestlings have I wrestled with my sister, and I have prevailed. And she called his name Naphtali. When Leah saw that she had left bearing, she took Zilpah, her maid, and gave her to Jacob to wife. Now, one of the fascinating features of Scripture is the meaning of words. Uh, it's something that I never uh, overlook or I try not to with the, with the best of my ability. Uh, that's why we have what is called a concordance and other Bible helps that we can look up certain words in our concordance. You have, some Bibles have a, a small concordance at the at the back of their Bible. Uh, we have Strong's Concordance, uh, which is a big, a big book. I mean, it's, it's huge. And, but then we also, thanks to technology, we have the apps and so on, like eSword, that we can just pull them out and we can, you know, within a few seconds, look up the, the meaning or the definition of a word in the Bible. And what always fascinates me is, you know, we live in a, in a society or in a culture, in, in, a, in an era where we don't put too much emphasis on names anymore uh, or the meaning of names. We, we, we simply don't. But um, we'll dig right in here and we'll, we'll see what the Bible has to say with the, the meanings of certain words. Uh, she makes a statement here in Genesis 30 and verse 8, with great wrestlings. 
Well, it's not like you get into a wrestling match per se, but it does mean to struggle, to struggle intently. This is something that we all have learned that is a part of life. Life is a struggle. It, it simply is. And there's no way uh, around it. Everyone struggles through life in some shape or form. It, it is what it is. There's, there's absolutely no way around it. Life is just a struggle at times. We do have our moments of reprieve where things kind of smooth out, but it doesn't take long, and then there's another struggle. Something else happens. That word wrestled, uh, it means to show yourself unsavory. And I thought this was interesting, to show yourself unsavory or to show yourself forward, twisted, and bound. We learn through struggles in life that we are, we are usually the reason for the majority of the problems that we incur in life. It's because of our own choices in life. It's because of the things that we, we've developed or, you know, it might be psychologically, it might be physically, you know, emotionally. But a lot of times the things that we go through in life is because we bring it upon ourselves. And even though it may be a problem that we find ourselves in, and even though we may not have instigated that problem, but sometimes it becomes our problem by the way that we react to that problem. Our reaction just kind of uh, causes a struggle within ourselves, and then we have to step back and process it and you know, make amends you know, uh, that, that need to be made. But a lot of the things in life we, we bring upon ourselves and it would, be, it would be a good thing for you to learn that very, that very statement there, that very principle. Because, you know, we, we live in that, that culture setting or, you know, our, our culture is just really changing. And people have that victimization mentality. I'm, 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 you know, they've been victimized. And so they, they, they push everything off on somebody else. And I, and I do understand that there's a, a degree of truth to that. But as a general rule, you know, it's because they fail to accept the choices that they made in their own life, which, you know, brought everything upon them. Even though Rachel had problems, the Bible does say that she prevailed. In Hebrew, this means, um, it's kind of picturesque, but it means to bend like a, a palm tree. Uh, the bending of the palm tree in, in Hebrew has a, a connotation to it, to that of the bending of a person's will. Your will has to be pliable. And sometimes our, our, our will is not pliable, but it has to be pliable not only to the things of God, but it has to be pliable to the struggles that we have uh, in, our, in our lives. Um, we know that scriptures teach us that if we are, are willing to hang on, God is going to give us the power to overcome. 
God will help you. If you want to be helped, God will help you. He will make you victorious. He will make me victorious. That's the way God is. He sees everything. The Bible says he remembers that we are dust. He remembers our frame. We're so, we're so fickle. Uh, we are, you know, dust, you, you can blow it and it, and it, and it just scatters and it, it goes all over the place. But he says, that's the way our makeup is. That's the way we're, we're, we've, we're designed, unfortunately. Well, looking at the inheritance of, of Naphtali in Genesis 49, 21, and there's not much said, but it's a very powerful statement. Jacob says, Naphtali is a hind let loose. He giveth goodly words. This means that he will be loosed from all his struggle, his struggles. God can loose you from the things that you struggle with. And, and I know that these are things that a, a lot of us has, have already experienced in our walk with him. In Psalm 1833, the psalmist said, He maketh my feet like hind's feet. Now, you know what a hind is. It's a doe, a, a, a deer, um, a, not a very big one, but a small one. And uh, the psalmist said, He maketh my feet like hind's feet and setteth me upon high places. And so what this th th is, symbolizes is that God can take you and I, amen, He can take an individual and he can elevate that person above their circumstances. I think that's beautiful when the psalmist, they, they, they're so, um, you know, the words that they use are so beautiful sometimes in, in the description of, of how we can be in life. He maketh my feet like hinds feet. He setteth me in high places. In Habakkuk 3.19, the Bible says, The Lord is my strength. And he will make my feet like hinds feet, and he will make me to walk upon mine high places. Now, the difference between Habakkuk and the statement in, in Psalms is in Habakkuk, it says, he maketh me, or he maketh mine. And he, he says that twice. He maketh uh, my feet like hinds feet, and he will make me to walk upon high places. You know. A lot of people don't like to, to be made to do anything. You can't make me do that. You know, some, sometimes we grow up as, as children, as teenagers, and, you know, nobody can tell me what to do. We have that type of mentality. Uh, of course, we get it from other people. But once again, it's a struggle that we, that we bring upon ourselves when we adapt that type of attitude and, and, and so on. But this simply speaks of God having control of over your life. You know, if God wants to make me do something, if God wants to make me, and, and this is extremely positive, he, if he wants to make my feet like hinds feet so that he maketh me to, to, to uh, elevate in high places, I'm all for it. You know, I, I want God to have that latitude with my life. You have no idea how many times in life that I've prayed when I've been in a situation and I'll say, God, I submit my will to your will. You know, if, if you can just take my will, at, at this moment, the, 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 the only way that I can wrap my mind around doing this is just submitting myself to you. I give you my will. Do whatever you want with me. 
I, I, I've done that so many times in life. As a matter of fact, it's, it's, it's very repetitious for me in life because I want God to have control of my life. That's, that's my goal in life is to have that. He has control because you yield your life and your will over to him. That's when God has complete control. If we don't allow him to have that complete control, then the struggles that we incur in life will, uh, you know, as a rule, they will go in the direction that at some point we will come around to that place where, all right, God, you win. We yield to him. Another interesting uh, prophecy or declaration to Naphtali is found in Deuteronomy 33, 23, where Moses says, and of Naphtali, he said, O Naphtali, satisfied with favor and full with the blessings of the Lord, possesses thou the west and the south. Oh, this once again is very interesting. He says, Moses says of Naphtali, you're satisfied with favor. This means self-will, voluntary will, acceptable or goodwill. That's what that means. In Deuteronomy 33 and 16, um, and I didn't write it down. Yeah, I did. And, and for the precious things of the earth and the fullness thereof, and for the goodwill of him that dwelt in the bush. Now, the, the Bible says, and for the goodwill. Well, goodwill in the Hebrew is the same definition or meaning as favor. And so goodwill, favor, these are all synonyms. In verses 24 of Deuteronomy 33, he uses the word acceptable. Once again, it is the same word as favor. God wants us to voluntarily serve him out of our will. Amen. We shouldn't have to be coerced or, or, or made, you know, to do something. We should submit our wills to God and, and allow his will to be done. When Jesus was in Gethsemane, when the, when the cup was coming by and, and, uh, Jesus said, Oh, that this cup would pass by me. And I'm giving you my paraphrase here. But what did Jesus say? Not my will be done, but thy will be done. We, we all like to do certain things our own way, but, and that's all right. If, if at the end we can say, God, this is what I want, but I want what you want for me. That's what matters. That's what counts. Amen. God is saying that Naphtali was full of these characteristics. This is what made him, excuse me, what he, what he is. And then Moses goes on and he says, possesses from the west and the south. This all speaks of what you have in Christ as a child of God. We have such a big inheritance to look forward to. We, we certainly do. You know, from the west of the south, if you looked on your Bible map, you would see where the tribe of Naphtali was. And that meant their, their, their border was the Sea of Galilee. And it went all the way up into, uh, to the mountains. And so they not only had the commerce from the Sea of Galilee, they had provision, food and things like that, but they had the valley and, and all the way up into the mountains. You know, they, the, the, the tribe of Naphtali, their inheritance was, was quite a blessing. Amen. And, and, and folks, always remember this, in order to possess, to possess our inheritance, uh, and, and this is, 
This is what we don't like to hear in, in life, but in order for us to possess our inheritance voluntarily, there has to be a struggle. You're going to struggle for it. You're going to fight for it. it it's, it, it's just the way it is. But, uh, but always remember this. Just like Rachel, you can prevail. You know, don't quit. Just hunker down, submit your will to God, go through the fight, and prevail. Let God bring you through it victoriously. Which brings me to my second point here this morning, Rachel, uh, who was Naphtali's mother. And, and it's interesting, or stepmom, because Naphtali was born from the handmaid, Billa. And if you remember earlier on in our study where other children were born from Billa, her name means fear and trouble. And, you know, if, if there was ever a scripture uh, in, that, that is true to the letter, and they all are, but one that just really stands out to me is in Job 5, 7. Job says, yet a man is born unto trouble as the spike sparks fly upward. The next time you're at a campfire and uh, it's, it's dark out and you see the fire needs a little kindling, so you take a rod or a stick and you, you put it in, that, in those coals and in the, the logs that are almost consumed. What's going to happen when you stick a stick in there? Sparks are going to ascend and just, just go up into the sky. And, and you know sometimes there's just a lot, but Job says, as those sparks fly upward, so is the trouble of man. What a, what a truth. When we look at the children of Israel as a whole, one of the, the most devastating errors that they, that they made, you know, it was one thing to go into the wilderness and spend, you know, 38, 40 years being chastised and trying to get Egypt out of them. You know, a lot of them died in, in the wilderness. But then when they come to the promised land, you know, God told them to go into the promised land, but there was a, there was a stipulation. When you go into the promised land, you're going to destroy the Canaanites, get rid of them, eradicate them. But instead of eradicating them, what did the children of Israel do? They compromised with them. Sure, they had a few battles with, with some of them and uh, different factions and, and so on, but it, it wasn't long and they were doing some of the things that the Canaanites were doing. You know, once again, the association with, with evil, if you don't make a, a determined effort to stay uh, uh, against it or away from it, it will uh, eventually come back upon you. There's an interesting story in, in the book of Judges, and you're, you're more than welcome to, to turn her. I'll just be there for a, a few moments here. Um, Judges chapter 4. This is fascinating. Judges chapter 4, verses 1 through 4. Now keep in mind, we're talking about the tribe of Naphtali, 
But after some time, you know, after everybody came through the wilderness journeys, they get up to the, the river Jordan, they're getting ready to go into the promised land, and God says, I want you to eradicate the Canaanites uh, as you go in there, conquer them. And, and the reason why God wanted the Canaanites out of the picture is because the Canaanites were just a wicked, wicked, wicked uh, people. It, it, he wasn't against the race. That That's not the point. But what they did as human beings was an abomination to God. They were so immoral and they worshiped different gods and they sacrificed their kids to the, 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 the gods of Molech, literally would take their children and burn them in fire as sacrifices to gods. This was an abomination to to God. And he says, I want you to go in there and get rid of that evil. I want you to eradicate it. But, but, but they didn't do that. And, and so that's where we're at here in Judges chapter 4 and verse 1. And the children of Israel again did evil in the sight of the Lord when Ehud was dead. And the Lord sold them into the hand of Jabin, king of Canaan. That reigned in Hazor the captain of whose host was Caesarea, which dwelt at Hashereth of the Gentiles. And the children of Israel, they cried unto the Lord, for he had 900 chariots and the iron and, and 20 years, he mightily oppressed the children of Israel. Now verse four, and Deborah, a prophetess, the wife of Lapidoth, she judged Israel at that time. Now, this is, this is a fascinating uh, study within itself. Ehud kept them in line when he was king, but when he died, everything just fell apart. Matter of fact, when you get into the, the if you want to name your next child Ehud, <laughs> the, the, the name literally means to collect or to unify, to keep things together is what Ehud means. God sold them into the leadership of the king of Canaan. That's what, it, that's what the Bible says. It wasn't the devil that did this. It was God that put them there. And some think that God turns certain individuals over to evil authorities, and that's it. Well, God gave them over to the devil, and, 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 and there, there's no more hope for that person. But the, the, the point is this, as humans, if you're bent... If you are bent, if your will, if your stubbornness is so, it, 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 so deep and so hard that, that you pursue evil, God's going to just let you go that direction and, and you'll never know that God has let you go that direction because that's what your focus has been. I've got to do this in life. Matter of fact, there's a, a verse in, in Romans chapter 128. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, people, there's people out there that do not like to retain God in their minds. And so this is what God does. The Bible says in Romans 128 that God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient. If that's what you want, <laughs> then God's just going to let you go then. You're going to get what you're pursuing. But the problem with being turned over to a reprobate mind, it's not that God can't save an individual. That's not the point. But they go so far over the deep end 
that they can't be saved. Their conscience is seared. They can't turn around because they're caught in it and it's consumed them. It, it, matter of fact, if you read whole, all of Romans chapter one, you know, through, uh, uh, that, that was verse, uh, uh, 28, you know, 29, 30, and so on, where he, where he talks about, you know, identifying some of these characteristics. They, they take the natural use of their body and they, they turn it around. Homosexuality and lesbianism and transgenderism. That's all that means through that passage of scripture. When they go that far, they snap. Now, people don't like to hear this. But you get to a place where you, you've, you've taken the natural use of your body and you've so, so mixed it up and messed it up and programmed yourself. There's nothing God can do for you because you are bent on having that type of lifestyle. God gives up. Ooh, that's a powerful message. When God gives up. When God gives up on man. Jabin, the king of Canaan, his name means to separate, to stand apart. Jabin means intelligent, discreet, understanding, skillful. This was the king of Canaan whom God gave Israel to. It's interesting that the number of Jabin's standing army you can look this up in, in a uh, historical book called The Works of Josephus. I've got his whole volume in my, my office. You can look at him online and so on. But in his book of Antiquities, volume 5, 1, he says that Jabin had 300,000 footmen in his military, 10,000 horsemen, and 3,000 chariots. Sisera, who, was, who we read about, who was the, his number one general, his number one uh, 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 military strategist, it, it, it's been said that he had 40,000 generals just under his control. And each one of those 40,000 generals had 10,000 soldiers under them. So this Jabin empire was, 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 was crazy. Canaan was, was, a, was a mighty fortress. Matter of fact, Sisera was 30 years old when he accomplished this feat, you know, being the leader uh, uh, over such a military uh, uh, might. But it's been said that at 30 years old, and he had conquered the whole world, and there was not a place, the walls of which did not fall down to his voice. That's it. Get rid of them, and it came down. That's how much power he had back then. And now keep in mind, God's telling them, you're going to go into Canaan, and you're going to get, a, get rid of this, all this. But they, they did that which it was evil in the sight of the Lord, and so God said, all right, we'll turn you over to them. And so there comes a point when they start crying out to God. They get desperate and, and, and you know, they, they, they cry out to him. And so there, there, there was a woman, a godly woman. Her name was Deborah and Barak. And uh, 
and you know they were to get the children of Israel back in the place where they're supposed to be. The Bible says that they cried. You know, Deborah was was judging Israel at this time, and and they were crying out unto her. It's interesting when you get into the the meaning, the etymology of these 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 names here. Deborah means a bee, and you know, and once again, it, it just it's so fitting the the meaning of her name because she had the fatal sting to the enemy. Amen. Uh, she dwelt under a palm tree. We just preached here a couple uh, weeks ago. The righteous flourish like the palm tree. Uh, she was in a high place called Rama. Uh, Rama was a stronghold. It was an elevated place. Uh, Bethel uh, means house of God, house of bread. And so this, this woman that judged Israel was in the right place. She had the right position. And the people came up to her and they cried because of, of the, 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 the leadership or the enslavement that they were under with Jabin. Now, Dave, uh, Deborah's husband, his name was Lapidoth. That's a good name for you to name your next child. Lapidoth, <laughs> which means torches or enlighten. Now, I couldn't find anything out on Lapidoth. Uh, matter, I, I did see this. Some, some scholars believe, and I'm just throwing this out. This is, but some scholars believe that that's another name for Barak, that it was Barak. Now, I, I personally, I, I don't know. There's, I can't say I agree with that or I don't. I'm just throwing you some extra information out there. But th this is what I concluded with. You know, with a name with a meaning like that, Lapidoth, which means torches are enlightened, could it be that he lit the passion in his wife to deliver the children of Israel? Could it be that he was the man that said, come on, honey, you can do it. If that's in your heart, if you really feel that you can step up to the plate and bring a difference to, to, to this nation, I'm behind you, honey. Matter of fact, I'll help you. Let's go. Come on, get going. He was encouraging his wife. He lit a fire under her. Amen. That's, that's in Metzger's commentary. Amen. Page one, verse one. <laughs> Amen. Volume one. And, and so as we move on, this... This man, Barak, his name means lightning, flash of thunder. He was of the tribe of Naphtali. His father, now, now the Bible says here in verse 5, and she dwelt, speaking of Deborah, under the palm tree of, they called it the palm tree of Deborah, between Ramah and Bethel. Bethel means house of bread in Mount Ephraim. And the children of Israel came up to her for judgment. And she sent and called Barak, the son of Abinam, out of Kedish Naphtali. So the, 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 once again, this, this is very, very powerful here. She calls for Barak. He was from the tribe of Naphtali. His father was Abinam. His name means father of plentiness, beauty, or grace. You see, Barak's family was from Kedish Naphtali. Kedish, if you separate that, Kedish means sacred place. 
It means holy place. It means dedicated. It means sanctuary. Matter of fact, in the cities of refuge in the book of Joshua, one of the cities of refuge was named Kedish, where people could go if they were wrongly accused and, and get refuge and have a, a, their, their day in court, per se. Kedish is transliterated in Hebrew, most holy place, in Exodus 26 and verse 33. In Leviticus 4, 6, Kedish is translated sanctuary. In other words, the man that Deborah asked to come and lead the charge was a man that grew up in a holy place a man that had the fear of God. In Hebrews 11.32, now Hebrews 11 is, is the faith chapter. It's awesome. You know, by faith, Abraham. You know, by faith, Isaac. By faith, Joseph. By faith, it, it just goes on and on. But that, all the way down in verse 32 of Hebrews chapter 11, it says, and what shall I more say? For the time would fail me to tell of Gideon, and of Barak. It doesn't say Deborah. Deborah gets all the, you know, the, 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 the limelight. And, 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 and I'm not taking away. She was a heroine. She was, she was a powerful woman. She, 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 she was the one that orchestrated everything. But she, she chose a man that was very special. And out of, out of everything that could be said in Hebrews, his name is in there. In Hebrews' faith, Deborah isn't in there, but it was it was Barak, Amen. His name is mentioned there. If we're now now, now let me just kind of bring this together here uh, as we wind down. If we're going to win our wrestlings, we have to come out of the sanctuary first. What do you mean? If you're going to win in your struggles. You've got to be a person, amen, that lives and loves God to, with everything that is in your, in your being. A, a person that, 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 that spends time in the sanctuary. Well, what is the sanctuary? It can be the church. It could be a synonym, the church. That's where you find your power. That's where you get your strength. Matter of fact, years ago when I, when I got saved, uh, when, I, when I was working in a, in a city mission, I, I, I told you that here last Sunday, I believe it was, but th there was a man there that, that read a psalm to me that I've, I've never forgotten. It's Psalm 73, and Hannah, you can come to the piano, that, uh, and I'll, I'll, I'll start winding down here. This is so powerful. You know, this was 40 years ago that this was given to me, and it's still so applicable to today. Truly God is good. This is the Psalm of Asaph. Truly God is good to Israel, even to such as are of a clean heart. But as for me, my feet were almost gone. My steps had well nigh slipped. For I was envious of the foolish when I saw their prosperity of the wicked. For there are no bands in their death, but their strength is firm. Man, the, the wicked, they've got, they've got money. They've got a strong arm. 
They are not in trouble as other men. Neither are they plagued like other men. They, they, have the, they don't have the struggles of, that you and I have, you know, trying to put food on our tables and pay our mortgages and buy clothes and feed our kids. Therefore, pride compasseth them about as a chain. Violence covereth them as a, a garment. Their eyes stand out with fatness. They have more than a heart could wish. They are corrupt and speak wickedly concerning oppression. They speak lawfully. They set their mouths against the heavens and their tongue walketh through the earth. Therefore, the, his people return hither and waters of full cups are wrung out of them. And they say, how doth God know? And is there knowledge in the most high? Behold, these are the ungodly who prosper in the world that increase in riches. Isn't that descriptive of, of the, the society that we live in? Verily, I have cleansed my heart in vain, and I have washed my hands in innocency. For all the day long have I been plagued. I have been chastened every morning. If I say I will speak thus, behold, I should offend against this generation of thy children. But when I, now this is Asaph, he says, when I see all the wickedness going on, why do they get that? And why do they have all the money? And why, did, why you know, they don't struggle with life seemingly? And, you know, why, why are the wicked prospering? I mean, we can't stop it. Wickedness is, 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 is in a free fall. I mean, it's, it's, it's gone beyond our ability to process it. It's falling apart so fast. But yet these people have all the money. And with, when you have all the money, you can do anything that you want to do. You can, you can, uh, you can tweak our, 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 our political system on the globe, amen, you can make everything go, they call it the restart. You can make everything go digital so that we have digital currency. What's the purpose of that? Control so that they get more. The, the, the wicked people prosper beyond our ability to comprehend it. And sometimes you just wonder, you know, God, why? 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 This is what Asaph was seeing when, when, he, when, he, when he wrote this. But then here's the key. Here is the kicker in verse 17. Until I went into the sanctuary of God, then understood I their end. Woo, glory be to God. When I went in and got right with God and got God's perspective on what's going on around us, I understood what's going to happen to them in the end. And I don't want any part of that. That's beautiful. It's beautiful. God's sanctuary gives you proper perspective. Barack wasn't even the leader. Now, oh, this is so awesome. He wasn't even the leader. Deborah was, but he was prepared. He didn't have to say, wait, let me think about this. He was prepared. Now, now, now listen to this. She, she told him to get 10,000 troops. So he got 10,000 troops from the tribe of Naphtali and Zebulun against Sisera's multitudes in verse 7. They, now... From what I've read, out of all Jabin's hundreds of thousands of, of soldiers, some, I believe it's uh, Herbert Lochner, says that that multitudes is 100,000 soldiers 
is the multitudes. But we already read where he had 900 chariots. And those chariots had what they call sids on them or sides. You know what a scythe is? It's a sickle. They come out from the axle. That people, people dreaded those. They would just ride them into the multitudes of people. And those sickles that projected out from the, the axles of those, those wheels, they'd just butcher the people, maim them, cut their legs off. And I mean, it, it, the, the, the barbarism that, that went on at that time is, is, is hard to, to even think about. But, but that's what he, Sisera had. But the Bible says, if you read on in Judges chapter 4, that God confused them. You have 900 chariots that the people feared, possibly 100,000 footmen. But God confused them. Barak with 10,000 men went in there and put a whooping on them. Look at the odds. But all oh, a truth that Martin Luther said years ago, one man with God on his side becomes the majority. Woo! Amen. In conclusion here, you and I have the opportunity, we have the right, because of our place in Christ, to enter into the holy place, into the sanctuary. Hebrews 10, 19 says, having therefore brethren boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus Christ. Because of what he did for me, because of him dying for me, because of him shedding his blood for me, I have the, the right, the privilege to boldly come into the presence of God. <laughs> oh, God. So the strength, you know, let's, let, let's wrap all this up in just a few words here. All these 12 stones in this breastplate. The strength of all these stones and the placement of each stone and in the different rows and the different tribes that they represent. Isaiah 54, 11 through 13 says, this is our foundation. It's our foundation. Our foundation is found where? In the holy place. All these stones and their purposes are of none effect unless we spend time in the sanctuary. That which is last is where our greatness is. Remember we we commented on that principle in the very beginning out of Luke. The first shall be last and the last shall be first. The last thing, the last tribe is Naphtali. Oh, that's where our greatness is found. Amen. Let's all stand. Father, we thank you for your word this morning. We thank you for the conclusion of this study, this series, Lord, on Naphtali. 
Oh, I wish, Lord, uh, I, I, I could have done better to, to present it. And Lord, there's so much here that if we could just wrap our minds around it, if we could just make it revelatory. And, and, and Lord, Lord, I pray that your spirit in, the, in these next few moments, if it's not already working, which I believe it is, would, 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 would take this message and just tailor it into each and every life. Our greatness is not in the world. Our greatness is not in, in riches and fame and glory, and, but our riches are found in God's sanctuary, in our relationship with you. That's greatness. That's greatness. Lord, we're, we're people here. We struggle. Every one of us in here have our own struggles. If we're not struggling today, there'll be a struggle there tomorrow. If we're not struggling today, it's because we struggled yesterday. They're before us and they're after us. We're people that struggle. Job said, as the sparks fly upward, so are the struggles of a man that is born of a woman. It's a given. But yet, Lord, you've showed us in your word in, in detail that the key to our struggles in life are found in the sanctuary in our place with you. Well, Lord, I'm done. I, I don't want to belabor this, but I want to allow your spirit to move in each and every heart and every life. And Lord, for what you do, We'll give you and you alone the glory and praise. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. The altar is open. You're, you're welcome to come and pray. You're welcome to pray in your seat. But do take a moment to pray.